Dr. Donald N. Jensen is director for Russia and Strategic Stability at the U.S. Institute. United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Dr. Donald N. Jensen is Director for Russia and Strategic Stability at the U.S. Institute of Peace. He's with me on the big NATO leaders meeting taking place today that Biden is participating in and what to expect from the big Biden-Putin Geneva meeting later on this week. Dr. Jensen, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Julie. Nice to be on again. Uh, Really great to have you back. So uh, the administration, sounding odd heading into this Putin thing, setting a posture you know, that sounds a little different from all his predecessors. <laughs> Posture's a good word for it. Mm. Julie, the, the administration ha- has decided or is trying to decide to what extent can we cooperate with the Kremlin on issues of mutual concern, and there are some, and to what extent should we be tough and push back? And you saw the Putin uh, troop buildup around Ukraine last month. You saw really tough rhetoric from Putin uh, last week in St. Petersburg. So the administration is trying to get an approach that does both, and it's been very controversial, hotly debated, and we'll see what happens this week. I don't particularly expect any 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 substantive outcomes, but I like your word posturing very much <laughs> in the way that it might happen. That's, diplo- that's but Julia, that's diplomacy, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's interesting that there's not going to be a, a joint press conference afterward, mm-hmm. and we all remember past summits where there almost always was. And I think uh, uh, if both sides walk away frowning, that that in a way is is a good indicator where the relationship uh, is, and that's what I think will happen. Even though I do think they're going to talk about uh, working together on some really critical issues like strategic stability. Um, so areas of, of some sort of mutual interest where they might do something, climate, uh, arms... You say stability. What, what else? What are some, some other exactly. things? Exactly. I think the epidemic issue uh, mm. uh, is also really critical. And the Russians have had their own, own campaign over the past 14 months as well. But on strategic stability, Julie, if I could mention something, a comment about that, which is to say we used to talk about arms control, and we, we've inherited a, uh, uh, an architecture from the Cold War, which dealt with things like uh, strategic nuclear weapons and anti-missile systems and all that very technical stuff. But a lot of that architecture is no longer useful or is eroding because there's so many dangerous new technologies. The rise of China, much more than it was 40 or 50 years ago, these things need to be discussed. And the Russians are concerned about them, too. It's not just the United States that this needs to be talked about. I think you're going to probably see progress on that this week, or at least uh, beyond the posturing, an agreement to talk more about it, because they're very critical and uh, uh, dangerous, frankly. And speaking of diplomacy, uh, neither country has a diplomat or an ambassador in each other's country. Uh, maybe that could be something they could work out. Exactly right. I think what you're likely to see is the return of each ambassador to their post. Uh, Russian ambassador Antonov left a couple of months ago. They asked our man, Mr. Sullivan, Ambassador Sullivan, to leave as well. So I think you're going to see uh, they're going to go back. Uh, that's, again, uh, uh, 
symbolic in some ways, but I think it does indicate a realization by both sides that they feel they need to talk about these critical issues. Of course, for Putin, getting booted out of the G7, he pretended not to care, but it does seem to have been a blow to him. And um, and I, I think he would like to return. And so the summit on the heels of the G7 sort of a, has a bit of a burnishing effect for him, I would imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. Russia uh, does two things. Uh, it tries to, to traffic in international chaos, and uh, we've seen that in many places. But also they're very, very sensitive and jealous of their status as a great power. The fact that, that Putin is meeting Biden this week is, in Putin's calculation, really a, a major a major event because Russia wants to be seen uh, not as a partner but as an equal to the United States and of course in many ways it's not and in a few ways it is so so not being in the G7 is uh, uh, a blow to Putin as you said but but not being in the G7 is a perfectly reasonable position from the G7 members because mm-hmm. Russia does play a malign role frequently in many issues not just economic and so uh, uh, he might want to get in, but if he were in, I think we'd have uh, uh, sent the signal that, that he, we recognize he's behaving better. And, and frankly, the Russians are not behaving better. In no, yes, certainly not. Yeah. Um, now, how does Ukraine fit into this picture and, and Biden's recent announcement that he's going to meet the president at the White House? Uh, uh, well, Julie, you know, Ukraine is in many ways the core of the disagreement. Ukrainians, over, uh, by all, all polls, want to be in the West, in NATO, uh, and they, they don't approve, obviously, of the war in their country. And Putin sees Ukraine as barely more uh, than a province of the Russian Federation, as he said many times, not really uh, a separate country. So the U.S. and the West is going to continue to support Ukraine. Uh, we're going to continue to try to get sign of progress in the so-called Minsk process, which is the, the peace talks. I'm not particularly optimistic, but that is the, the nut at the center of much of the dispute. And it's a very, very difficult question. And uh, the Ukrainians have come a long way in six years since the war began. They still have a long way to go if they really want to be in NATO and the European Union. But that is the problem, and they're going to talk about it. And as in several other areas, I believe they will agree to disagree. And as you saw, and I mentioned, uh, the Russian troop buildup was significant in mm-hmm. April. That means something. And the words out of Moscow this the last few days, the last week, have not been particularly warm regarding Ukraine. In fact, if anything, the tone has been tougher than before. Uh, the problem all along has been, how do you work on a guy like Putin? You know, he <laughs>, laughs at your sanctions. He does what he wants. Like, you can't pressure him. Yeah, how do you, how do you solve a problem like Vladimir is exactly <laughs> the problem. And, uh, frankly, Washington is to some extent divided. Uh, some people argue to get tough. Some people think we're not taking the Russian point of view enough into account. Uh, the Biden administration, as I said, has, has, has favored a firm hand. And I think that's what they're going to try for a while and see how far... Uh, it gets them. Uh, most president, recent presidents, as you know, have started their administration hoping or expecting that relations will get better with Russia, and it always uh, goes down the tubes. And I right. think the Biden administration expectations are much more modest. Well, uh, he has the example of so many of his predecessors. I think sure does. Clinton sure. was the first one to meet Putin at the very end of his term, right? Yes. Yes, and then, yes. right, and then onward to Bush. We saw what happened there. <laughs> and then the famous Obama reset. And oh. I, I say that not sarcastically, but, but 
that's what the Obama administration called. Very mm-hmm. uh, optimistic at the beginning. Very, uh, there are a few achievements, but ultimately it, it, it foundered over issues like uh, Russia's abuse, uh, Kremlin's abuse of uh, uh, civil liberties and cranking down on the opposition. All that stuff, if anything, Julie, has gotten worse. And that makes serious movement on most but not all, but most, except for the issues we mentioned, like strategic stability. That makes that very, very difficult to go forward. Um, uh, briefly, uh, their COVID pandemic still seems quite bad. Of course, they were first out with a vaccine. What do you, what do you know about that picture in Russia? It's been, excuse me, it's been, uh, they've been hit very hard, and the public health system is not as, as uh, efficient, let's say, as in the Western countries. But predictably, they came up with their own vaccine, as you know, Sputnik. They named it after a great scientific achievement of the Soviet Union, and they've been pushing it around uh, uh, to various countries uh, in the hopes that it, in a way, as an instrument, Julie, of kind of public diplomacy, as well as public public health. And in some countries, that's all they could get, the Russian brand. But uh, some countries have been more receptive to the Russian vaccine because Russia and Putin, we get back to his foreign policy, have been very assiduous in courting countries like India, some others, which which have a, uh, a more built-in or a historic antipathy toward the United States. So even on the COVID, where Russia has been hit hard, it's become really an, avenue, uh, an area of competition between Russia and the West, like so much else has. Really, really fascinating discussion. Dr. Donald Jensen, Director of the Russian and Strategic Stability at U.S. Institute of Peace. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Julia. Have a great day. You too. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. 